ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of the Flow Podcast, and I am here with my good friend Andre Gomez, and he's been in town for this past weekend and a couple of days, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, I guess, part of the reason why he was he was here in our time together, and so pretty cool uh, because Andre was my very first guest, I'm pretty sure, like the second episode, but I think the first guest. That's right. Yeah, like two years ago. So, Andre, welcome back, and uh, glad you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you, Joel. You know, definitely an honor and a privilege to be here, to be able to speak to whoever listens to the Flow Podcast, which I know quite a bit of people that are at the college and stuff, and friends of mine that listen, and so it's cool being back, man, after, I think, what, two years? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's crazy how how quick time has gone by, but we're still we're still out here trying to trying to flow and <laughs> present the flow to people. So, um, so we uh, we were uh, spending some time together this weekend um, up in in Washington State. For those that don't know, uh, where I live, and Andre's visiting visiting me here and um and just as the lord would would have it um you know certain individuals caught wind <laughs> that yeah. you were coming as well and so we actually were were going to participate in a in a hyphen event hyphen kind of conference and well you were going to participate <laughs> yeah well, <I> was <laughs> well and then you were coming into town to like visit and, and go to that too and yeah, so as the Lord just would have it, we uh, both ended up speaking at that event, um, and so that was that was total praise for for those and that are local who who may have attended that. It ended up being a really just wonderful time in the Lord and in the Holy Ghost. So we're gonna kind of for the first part of this uh, episode talk a little bit about that and and just like what ministering like how it is for ministry ministering um, together, like a ministry partnership. Um, so I guess just asking you, turn it to you, what for that conference specifically and, and that time together, what what are or what were some of your your takeaways from that time? Yeah. Well definitely, you know, to highlight Brother Brother Morgan Ellis was was speaking and mm-hmm. you know, Brother Eric Gonzalez was was leading that and so they're amazing, amazing apostolic leaders and ministers and so we had a great time listening to them speak um and one of the things that was highlighted to me was that partnership of ministry and faith that was able to flow throughout all of the services really uh you know starting from the first first night with pastor morgan um speaking speaking about about being triumphant in the lord and we had just an amazing time and the worship team being amazing as well um, and then that morning after, I believe it was Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did the, the that session in the morning where you spoke. And, you know, as Brother Morgan would put it, uh, it was part one, part two. And yeah. then that same night, you know, that part three, yeah. um, which it was amazing to see how the Lord was moving and ministering to every single young person yeah. in the building there. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And that was, that was like really, it was cool because, like, as we talked about, from our time together in Bible school, like 
how how much it reminded us of of that and and that like that ministry partnership for lack of a better term um, that took place that that we we recognize like af after the after the witness of the Holy Ghost and the response of things how um, I mean just how much it really was the Holy Ghost that <laughs> that was doing it and that was speaking um, because we we talked very very briefly about I guess what each other was going to talk about but it wasn't extensive at all um, I don't think I even shared like any of the scriptures or anything like that with you yeah. and so it was just it was cool um, because it, and you kind of said it like like mine was sort of the New Testament um, walkthrough of of the concepts and then yours was went to the Old Testament and some of the same examples and so yeah that was that was awesome and then brother Ellis said it himself that night his his session um, he said it was really like part three uh, of of the day and so that was cool to um, that was just cool to be a part of you know and it was humbling it was humbling for me because I knew you know of course we knew and know that it was it was all the Lord <laughs> that yeah. was leading so yeah so let's talk a little bit about I guess what we talked about in those sessions what did you what did you talk about well for months man um the lord uh the lord was really dealing with me about about the portion of scripture in first kings chapter 11 um scripture had just finished speaking about um the goodness or the greatness of what solomon did what we might consider even ministry you know the building of the temple and everything that he did very interesting to notice um we'll probably get to this question after but uh Solomon, you know, it is believed that he was around 15 and 19 years old when he began to reign. Yeah. And uh, the Bible says that in, his, in the fourth year of his reign, he began to build the temple. So it could be very, you know, it could very well be that 20, 24 years old was his age when he began to build this temple. And so the Lord, um, the Lord began to deal with me um, about Solomon, King Solomon. The Bible says in First Kings chapter 11, but Solomon loved many strange women. And uh, that was highlighted to me um, in that portion of scripture where it goes on to say that they turned his heart away from the Lord and his heart was not perfect like his like a like his father David's was. And so um, it was very interesting to me to notice that uh, the Bible says when he was old. So it mattered what Solomon was doing and entertaining and flirting with um, during his young age that caused him to end up in a place in which his heart no longer was possessed by the Lord. Yeah. And so it definitely brought the fear of the Lord in me, man, especially for, for this generation, understanding that this generation is heavily involved in ministry, has abilities, have talents. Um, we mentioned we got everything we need. The elders have done an excellent job, and we honor the elders and everybody that has paved the way and trailblazed for us so that we can be able to also be participants of the ministry and kingdom work. And uh, we got everything, everything that we need. We have the privilege to go to Bible college. Right. Both of you did four years in Bible college, and that was that was amazing. And so now we're, bo we're both doing ministry. Now I'm in, you know, Kerman. Yeah. And so um, you're here, here in Washington. And so um, understanding that we got everything we need. We're, we're active in ministry. Um, but that that holiness part 
that still has to be emphasized right. and lived out and, and studied, you know, as a younger generation, as a younger people, uh, and all fall into the same trap that Solomon did. You know, the Bible quotes scripture um, of the law regarding these women, you know, and it speaks about how the people of Israel would not, should not go in with them, marry them, and they would not marry the people of Israel. One version says that he defiantly loved these women, Wow, you know, and so my, my thought was, and I feel like the Lord really impressed this upon my heart, it could very well be that Solomon, um, Solomon thought, well, I don't feel the wrath of God, I don't feel the judgment of God, I don't feel God necessarily convicting me at these moments of me participating in such and such thing. But nevertheless, the word of the Lord came to pass, and his heart was turned away from the Lord. And so it was something that I ministered about, spoke about, you know, among other things that I, you know, felt that flow of the Holy Ghost um, needing to needing to address certain things, um, certain things that we expose our eyes to, certain things that we're willing to talk about, certain things that uh, um, we're willing to partake in, that especially as young ministers, we have to be very careful and, and walk walk in holiness. One of the things that I spoke about as well was the fact that there are, there are some instances where the Bible says that God is, you know, God is something. For example, the Bible says that God is love, yeah. but the Bible also says that God is holy, right. which gives us the understanding that, you know, he is both love and holiness, and we can't pick and choose what it is that we want from God. Mm -hmm. You know, if we want his love, we need to receive his holiness. And if we want his holiness, we need to receive his love, right. you know, and it's very important to walk in both. You know, there's other instances where the Bible says that God is, and including that in this as well, you know, understanding um, and desiring the whole counsel of God and everything that God has to, you know, has to offer for our lives and everything that God wants to do in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was it was for sure a message for, you know, for that that conference, but more specifically, it was I believe for that for our generation, um, and and just this generation in general who's being faced with such a such a challenge against against truth and whether or not there there even is truths or absolutes and you know trying to change the identity of of everything as we know it and that was kind of um, some somewhat of what I talked about in in like Romans chapter one um, second Timothy chapter three and talking about like the perilous times that are going to come yeah. and that uh, we believe we live in now as the end times and in those perilous times like people being lovers of themselves more than lovers of God people being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God and, and exalting the creature above the creator um, and and yeah I felt that sh strongly too like the holiness and more specifically for me was kind of like righteousness and which I believe I, and I think it says it in Romans chapter 1 that righteousness like leads unto holiness and i began to see this pattern in scripture um in how our unrighteousness it suppresses and it says that in romans chapter one it holds back or suppresses the truth um and more and more we see this like acceptance of of things because of because of culture that says like we have to be accepting <laughs> of everyone you know as they are and so i think 
in the church even we if we're not careful like we see some somewhat of that acceptance and something i mentioned too is like we we've always we've always had somewhat of a separation from the world but the world's line and standard has continued to drift um and my like fear is that in so many instances our separation has has just been parallel with with that line of the world but it's it's moved uh, in line with with the world's um, standards drifting further away so we can justify so much of what we do but man are we separated are we separated unto the gospel Mm -hmm. unto his death um and there was so much you know we 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 both had a little bit shorter of of spots and by the grace of God, I feel like we, the Lord's wisdom fit in what he needed to in those time periods, but um, just for me personally, like, there's so much more to, and we've even been talking about it just the last couple days, like, what he's been dealing with us about, Um, and one of those things maybe we can talk about, because we were talking about it before this, is, like, humility, um, and what that humility leads to, or what you know what the process of of humility um, should look like and looks like in the life of of Christians. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so as we were speaking, you know, this morning uh, regarding that portion of scripture in the in, in the letter uh, uh, to the Philippians, you know, where where yeah. the apostle Paul writes and says, um, you know, let this mind uh, be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, goes on to say. That he found himself in the fashion, you know, of a man, and uh, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, and the death of the cross. Uh, and so the Lord got to dealing with me about this process of humility. It's very interesting because throughout the portion of Scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see that humility, you know, after humility comes the that exaltation, and it seems to be in that same portion of Scripture many times, even in the same verse. And this is no exception for after the humility, the obedience and the death of Christ, there can be exaltation, you know. And so the Lord got to dealing with me regarding um, that process where true humility leads to obedience and true obedience leads to death. Yeah. You know, we find an- another portion of scripture in first Peter chapter five or six, um, where now Peter speaks about humility and being clothed in humility. And speaks about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt us in due time. You know, I believe that that process of humility is that process of humility, obedience, and death. Mm. Where when that exaltation comes, there is no flesh to glory in. Right. You know, we can't. We don't take the credit. We don't take the, the, the glory. You know, we don't take, um, you know, pride in such or such things that we do. But it's all for the glory of the Lord. Anything that we do, either it be ministering, either, you know, preaching, Bible studies, you know, people that are, you know, do music. You know, when we allow that process of humility to continually be in our lives, there's that obedience to the word of God, you know, and there's that death, you know, um, within ourselves. And I think that's I think that's, you know, it's beautiful to see in a young person, man, you know. Yeah. I think we've been in Bible college where um, we'll see, you know, those seasons and times in some, someone's life where, you know, the Lord is just dealing with them. And now, you know, they're out, you know, ministering and preaching and, and doing things for the kingdom of God. 
and many people just see that, you know, right. but many of us, we saw, you know, even, even amongst each other, you know, we saw that process of having to humble ourselves and yeah. having to obey the word of the Lord and obey the voice of God as crazy as it might seem at the moment, you know, give up this, give up that, sacrifice this, sacrifice that, die to yourself, dry, die to the, to the expectations or the structures. Um, and I think, you know, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for, for Christian Life College, um, for, you know, what the Lord did in my life in that place and in that time. For it was in that place and in that time where um, the Lord be began to, you know, deconstruct certain thoughts, certain ideas that I had, you know, that I came with from back home or that I came with from, you know, the way we would do church, the way we would do services, you know. And the Lord began to change all of that. And it was that humility, you know, that process of humility, which is not easy. Right. You know, it's definitely easier said than done. Um, but it's needed. It's needed. Yeah. No, definitely. I, um, you know, in preparing for for this conference, especially, and and it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a convicting thing because I feel like every time I, g I have to prepare for something like this, the Lord always has to kind of remind me, like, this should be your, your life of preparation in this type of, like, humbling of yourself. And um, so that's just, like, a little side note. Like, we can put, we put so much emphasis, right, on, like, prayer and fasting and hearing the voice of God and hopefully humbling ourselves in preparation for an event like this. And I, I, I believe it's the desire of God for um, the event of, of life, of every day, yeah. for us to be in that, that type of preparation. But anyway, um, this morning my, my dad made a comment that I, I just took a quick note of that I feel like kind of flows into this here. And we actually got a couple questions which we'll kind of get to and tie in as well um, in regards to, like, hurdles as a young minister, but also then, um, like preparation, um, specifically for notes and stuff like that. But I, I see it as like a bigger preparation than, you know, the manuscript, so to speak of what you're going to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, and the comment that my dad made, um, and I can't even remember the context now, but was the difference of preparing of our vessels versus the preparing of our message. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, you know, Philippians chapter 2. And for me, that was really my prayer um, leading up to this event, especially in that in that chapter. You know, it talks about Jesus making himself of, of no reputation. Mm -hmm. And and when you look at that word, what it means most, like, basically is he emptied. Yeah. Like, he made himself empty. He emptied himself out, poured himself out. Um so that none of him was was what was seen and what what people recognized, and I think that I mean in life in general and uh, and especially for events like this, like we can put so much of an emphasis on you know what am I going to speak when we forget, and it was talked about in Bible College too. Um, I think Pastor Lopez, probably different ones, said it, but just talking about how the preparation of of ministry is is more so the preparation of the minister than it is the day-to-day -day preparation of, of the message because your life is the message. Yeah. Um, and that's even, that's a little bit of what I kind of talked about too at this event of like, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
talks about the letter, uh, how our hearts and our lives are, are letters written in red yeah. of men, you know. Epistles. And yeah, the epistles that they that they see, and it's like that verse and that that setting of scripture doesn't talk about us speaking. It's it's just our life and our actions, and so I guess kind of along that line is and in context with this event. Um, what does it look like? Because, you know, we can talk about humility and we can see the scriptures like in Peter where it talks about, you know, casting all your care on him yeah. and, and humbling yourselves under his hand. Um, so for you and, you know, kind of in context with preparing for some an event like this, like yeah. how does humbling, what does humbling yourself look like? Um, the f- or the preparing of the vessel as well, you know, what does that look like more so? Yeah. Well, definitely, obviously, you know, prayer prayer right and, and more so relationship based prayer we've talked about this a lot you know you and i regarding going into prayer you know not necessarily you know going in with with a ministry mindset or you know i want to get a word from god to to yeah. minister or i want to get a word from god to preach or you know anything like that but i just want to know the lord you know yeah. i want to know the lord i want to speak to the lord and um we were actually able to be in, in Union Gap as well on Sunday. Yeah. And so I mentioned um, regarding, you know, a relationship with the Lord and how in the book of in the book of Genesis, we find a, a garden and out of that garden, there would flow a river. Well, we fi- well, we find in the book of Revelations, chapter 22, and out of there, there would proceed a river. Yeah. And so it is of my perception, um, which. Eden symbolizes relationship, relationship with God. It is of my perception that if we want to have a true relationship with God, the throne of God needs to be established there. And where the throne of God is established, the kingdom of God is there. And if his kingdom is there, that's where he can exercise his dominion and authority. That's the king's domain. And so that's one of the most important things for me, understanding that he's God and I'm not, you know. And so whatever he wants to speak, he will speak in due time. You know, and giving everything to him. You know, right now I'm in an interesting season in my life. Finished Bible college. Been there for four years. You know, originally from Southern California, L.A. area. And now the Lord moved me um, to Kerman, to the Fresno area, where it's about 15, 20 minutes from Fresno. And to get there, it's all fields. It's actually, you know, interesting when you drive into Kerman. You've never been to Kerman, right? I don't. I've been to Fresno, but I don't okay. think Kerman. So. You know, that drive from Fresno to Kerman, mm. it's all fields, bro. Mm. So you don't even see houses. Uh-huh. It's all of a sudden where houses start appearing. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm not used to that. Yeah. You know, I'm not accustomed from to LA, that. Yeah. From L.A. and then Stockton, you know, and yeah. now I'm in Kerman, yeah. you know, we're kind of like in the middle of, of nowhere, you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, and they're in a great church, Pentecostal Tabernacle, under, under you know, great pastor, great leader, Pastor Sanders. Uh, but nonetheless, it's you know it's it's interesting and it's different yeah. for me. And so, being able to, you know, navigate and flow through that, it's been it's been such a blessing. You know, it's been such a blessing. And so, I have really no excuse to not pray. I live at the church. You know, I currently <laughs> live at the church, and so yeah. um, I have the sanctuary available to me at all times. You know, yeah. and so um, that's that's a huge blessing. And uh, prayer, prayer, you know, you know, not just going into the sanctuary, but praying throughout your whole day. Yeah. You know, w- you know, I told you earlier, last couple of days, 
Um, sometimes I go days where the only person I talk to is a person in the drive-thru that I'm ordering food from, you know. <laughs> and other than that, it's just the Lord. I really, you know, I, I don't really call anybody, not really text anybody. Yeah. You know, that's just a season that the Lord has me in, you know. And I believe, you know, it was the will of God for me to come over here. You know, but once I go to Ker- back to Kerman, it might be, you know, I don't, I don't know, it might be like that again. And so just living in that season and allowing the Lord to do something and exercise his dominion and authority in my life. If he wants me to turn right, then I'll turn right. If he wants me to turn left, I'll turn left. And so that's been my preparation, you know, as the last two months, just allowing the Lord to exercise his authority, dominion, and lordship in my life, you know. The reason really why I came out here to Washington is because I felt strongly impressed in my heart and spirit. You know, I texted you that day. I was, you know, praying for, you know, for you and your dad because I really felt impressed in my heart to, you know, get on a flight and come out here to Washington. Thankfully, the Lord, you know, the Lord knew a lot more than we did. You know, I'd be speaking in in the conference. I would be speaking on Sunday. And so that was nothing planned. I think I knew about speaking in the conference two or three days before, (laughs) you know. And then I didn't know about Sunday till two or three days before. And so... It's because the Lord is able to exercise his authority and dominion. And when he speaks, if you're willing to follow, he'll lead you. So I think that's that's one of the most important things for me, especially now in this season of humbling myself and allowing the Lord. Lord, here you go. You have everything. Where you want me to go, I'll go. If you don't want me to go, I won't go. You know, and as radical as it may seem, I believe that's that's Bible. You know, that's Bible. You know. We got to talking about, you know, just a little bit ago about the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. There was places that he desired to go to. You know, he'll write letters that he desired to go to. We've spoken about, you know, especially within a younger, younger ministers, it's been taught, well, you take any opportunity you get. Or if yeah. you're offered a preaching opportunity, <laughs> you take it. You know, it's an automatic yes. You don't have to, you know, sometimes not even pray about it. Right. Well, the Apostle Paul here, you know, teaches something different. Mm-hmm. Where there was places that he wanted to go, desired to go to, had a love and a passion for those people, and the Holy Ghost would not allow him to go. Right. So there are instances where even though you want to go, and you might have a desire to go, the Holy Ghost will say, hold up. It's not time yet, or right. you won't go. And I think that's, that's that humility. Say, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to do, do ministry my way. I'm not going to do life my way. I'm not going to do these things my way. But I'm going to allow the king to exercise his dominion and authority in my life. And that's what I desire. That's what I want. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things mentioned in the conference as well was, you know, I desire to see, we hear about our elders, you know, when they were younger, they would hear the voice of God in a conference or, you know, in a service, in a prayer meeting, and they would hear the call to go to the middle of nowhere to some country. You know, I desire to see that amongst amongst us. Again, I believe it's happening, yeah. you know, especially, you know, there being a great harvest at hand, there's a great responsibility at hand. And I, we're, we'll get to that as well regarding, you know, prophetic fulfillments. Um, but I believe that there has to be an elevation and a des- of a desire to hear the voice of the Lord and allowing the voice of the Lord to lead us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, well, we have a bunch of questions I was, I was going to kind of weave in, but I think that really kind of answers answers this one that um, brother 
Godfrey actually asked, who we were with at the conference a little bit, saw him, um, and his, his question was, what are the biggest hurdles being a young minister and how to overcome them? Um, and I think, I mean, I think kind of within that, what you just said, without you saying it, like one of the hurdles is, is our will versus God's, you know, and doing what's easy or what's comfortable versus versus what he would lead us to do. And, um, and something that may seem radical or extreme to someone else of, you know, like having certain individuals in your heart and spirit to pray for them and then next thing you know, visiting yeah. <laughs> that place, um, you know, at your own expense and, and those yeah. things. And it's like, well, if, if but if, if it's the Lord leading, though, like, you know, he's going to lead and he's going to provide and exactly. he's going to make the way. And so I, I mean, just to kind of answer the question in, um, in my words, I mean, I think the biggest hurdle is always going to be ourself and our self-will. Um, you know, we were talking about it earlier, too, like with being younger. And um, I think maybe s- kind of within this question is, is some elements of that is being a young minister. I think that's something people think about is like, how do you handle that um, when when you know you're younger, and so in some ways you can disqualify yourself or yeah. feel uncomfortable in certain situations. Um, and I think it's, I mean, the humility of it is there, yeah. and people are going to recognize the authority and the flow, um, as we saw Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and know. understand, bro. You know, as a young minister, we look through all through scripture. And a lot of the people that God used mightily, they were at a very young age. Right. You know, yeah. it is believed that the disciples were in their teenage years when the Lord, when, you know, when the Lord went and, and, and took them and, you know, placed a call upon their life. Solomon, you know, Jeremiah, yeah. different prophets, yeah. you know. Messiah. Exactly, yeah. you know. And I love, you know, and I believe we're, we're in such time as King Josiah was. Yes. Reason being, you know, the Bible says that, you know, in that same portion of scripture where Josiah, King Josiah is established as king, they're at the repairing of the temple. And the Bible says, I believe it was a scribe. He finds the scrolls, the book of the law, yeah. the book of the covenant, and brings it to the priest. And the priest brings it to the king. And he begins to be convicted at what he's reading. And he said, man, we've been doing this wrong. Right. We have to go destroy all the all the altars, all the, you know, of idolatry, all the high places, all the groves. And he does something beautiful and amazing in the sight of the Lord. You know, and I believe that during this time, as the Lord is building one more time, you know, repairing some things, and there's some revival, you know, about some things. Um, my freshman year, even, you know, the word prophet or prophetic wasn't really as mentioned that it is now. Yeah. And I'm thankful, you know, I believe this is a revival of things. Yeah. This is a revival of a fivefold ministry. We see a conference in our movement on the fivefold ministry, right. you know, and these are apostolic truths that were birthed in the books of, in the book of Acts Church, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe for some time they were not there or we were not as comfortable using them. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody's a prophet or everybody prophesies or nothing like that. You know, right. I, I hope nobody misunderstands me here. Right. Um, but nonetheless, you know, the book of the, the the word of God says that he would pour out his spirit on the, you know, in the last days, you know, upon all flesh. But it also says that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall, shall see visions, which gives us the understanding 
that if the Lord is going to pour out his spirit upon these last days, there's also going to be young men and young women that are going to arise with prophetic utterance, with prophetic words, with divinely inspired word from God, you know. And we have to allow the Lord to do such things. You know, there's a revival, you know, of these concepts and apostolic truths and principles. Holiness preaching. Yeah. Amongst the younger generation, righteousness preaching. Yeah. You know, in conference settings, in Sunday morning settings, you know. And so I think we're, we're seeing that. Yeah. I believe before the great reaping of the harvest, there's going to be a great revival in the churches that we already have, yeah. you know. To be able to, you know, not only preach the gospel, but teach the kingdom, yeah. which the Apostle Paul emphasized, you know, not only preaching the gospel, which is the entry gate of this kingdom, but also there is depth in the kingdom of God, yeah. you know, and we've mentioned back at home in Kerman, um, it's really been taught and um, explained and we've really been on this flow about the foundational doctrines yeah and what my pastor brought out you know in hebrews chapter six right. was those foundational doctrines yeah. you know that we find yeah. and so we have to move forward you know these are the foundational doctrines that we move in mm -hmm. but there is depth as well right that take as forward. a movement as a generation we have to move into right yeah and it's interesting because i, I actually just read that think yesterday um, from Hebrews and you know the verse right before which it's it's funny too because my bishop just ministered on this like a week ago or the, the end of the chapter before that where he starts talking about the, the foundational doctrine is when he's talking about you know them wishing that they could go would go deeper but they're still in need of milk yeah like you 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 should be teachers i think he says but you still are yourselves in need of a teacher yeah and i think i think a big reason for that is because of our maybe our lack of of diligence in the word and an understanding of like we've we've just been carried on momentum yeah. I feel like for so long and inspiration and yeah and inspiration exactly and and now we're getting to the point where it's like okay I, I think there's being a beginning to be a revival of and it has to happen if there's a revival of, of holiness and righteousness preaching like there has to be a revival of of, of truth and, yeah. and of the word of God that that builds up those things and, and the foundation of those things um, and so I'm excited I mean be a part of that so yeah i um i don't know if you have something yeah to add no to that. it's yeah. it's bro and it's needed man it's needed it's needed holiness preaching righteousness preaching it saddens me bro it saddens me when i hear of another young minister falling into sin another right. minister falling into fornication you know um one of the things that the lord showed me you know regarding the death of jezebel was was jehu when he go, he's going on this responsibility and task that the Lord had anointed him for, you know, as he begins to see Jezebel with that, you know, seductive tactic, you yeah. know, it was a different tactic, like, you know, not like the one he used on, she used on Elijah, which was a pure tactic, mm -hmm. but this was a seductive tactic, you know, which is very prevalent in our generation today. Sure. It was like, you don't got, you don't got to say all that. You don't got to do all that. You don't got to preach all that. You don't got to. You don't got to go into specifics, you know, hey, you're going to offend somebody, you know, and, you know, that's 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 hard preaching or, you know, 
something like that. Yeah. And he was, he, was, he was willing to be accountable in those moments and said, hey, who's on the Lord's side? And the eunuchs, you know, stood up and said, hey, you know, we're on the Lord's side. And, you know, we see that accountability, you know, which I believe every young, young minister should have and I have in my life, you know. You know, you're, you're one of those individuals. There's other individuals that, you know, I'll frequently, you know, contact, you know, um, and, and, and definitely, you know, just being surrendered to the Lord. We yeah. read throughout Scripture, man, um, the Bible says that God is, is able to keep us from falling, right. you know, and that is still in effect today, man. That is still yeah. in effect today. He's yeah. able to keep us from falling and present ourselves and present us blameless before the Lord, you know, and I believe that ability you know, is enabled by our yielding and surrenderance. That's good. You know, he's not going to just do something for you if you keep entertaining the same things. You know, if if you're struggling with lust, but you're not willing to delete an Instagram that is causing you to look at something or watch something that causes you to fall and stumble, you know, right. it's it's going to be it's going to be very tough for you to overcome that. You yeah. know, yeah. if if you're struggling with with lust and you keep watching movies, you know, that promote such things there's probably not going to be much you know much deliverance for yeah. you if you keep going going back to it yeah. you know um and, and stuff like that and understanding you know we've talked about this point we understand the drug addict wasn't born a drug addict the alcoholic wasn't born an alcoholic well the individual addicted to pornography was not born addicted to pornography there had to be one scene there had to be one moment there had to be one picture you know and so we have to be intentional about what we're exposing our eyes to. And I believe this is the kind of preaching and ministering that we need, you know, giving us an awareness. Hey, there's some things that we still can't do. Yeah. There's some things that we still don't say. There's some things that there's some places that we still don't go to, right. you know, right. and it's these fences that guard our holiness. You know, we talk about, you know, holiness standards or lifestyle standards they're still important yeah you know they're yeah. still very important godly convictions biblical convictions you know that need to be taught you know and not only the how but the why's why is it that we do such things why is it that we you know we believe in a woman's uncut hair why is it you know that woman wears skirts you know yeah. or you know guys you know wear jeans and pants you know why is it you know and so not coming from, you know, a point of wanting to debate or wanting to argue these things, but out of a genuine hunger and desire to know I wanna I wanna live for the Lord. I wanna do I wanna live in righteousness. I wanna live in holiness. I don't just want a little piece of God or I don't just want a drink from the well. I you know, I don't I don't just want, you know, to be refreshed. I wanna be completely immersed in the river of the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost to completely flood my mind, my heart, my spirit, everything that I am, you know? And so even though it might hurt, we have to be willing to take it. Yeah. We have to be, you know, I'm a, I'm a change boy, you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to sacrifice this social media or I'm going to sacrifice, you know, doing this or watching that, you know? I, I'd hope, you know, we're not exposing our eyes to, you know, really anything, you know, especially nowadays where, you know, everything is okay and everything's all right. Apostolic young men and young women should be very careful with what they're exposing their eyes to, yeah, and what they're exposing their ears to. You know, I'm convinced that there's a lot of things that young people struggle with because of what they're exposing their their ears to, what they're listening to, what music they're listening to. You know, 
And I still believe, like I said, I still believe that this is this is good. This is good preaching. This is yeah. good ministering. I I need it. Yeah. You know, I need to receive it. I need to take it. You know. Right. No, that's yeah, and that I mean, and we're kind of in that z- same vein of where we were on on Friday morning <laughs> when we talked together uh, in that that those meetings, um, because you know I kind of came from the from the perspective of what it is to be apostolic. Yeah. And starting in Romans one, when Paul says, you know, he's called to be a servant, and he's he's an apostle, and he's separated unto the gospel. That's important. And yeah, and that level of separation is is something that I think we forget. Like we we want to be apostolic, but we think that being apostolic sometimes is just you know wearing a shirt that says yeah, I yeah. am apostolic, or having apostolic on our church, church sign, sign or in our Instagram bio or something yeah, like yeah. that. And but we don't. We for whatever reason, we've lost the willingness to hear. I feel like that kind of preaching, have it confront our hearts and and have a willingness to, like it says, uh, I believe it was in it's in Timothy where he says, "From such turn away." Yeah, and and that is the same word there means to separate from such. Separate yourself, shun those things, and and turn away. Because they're only going to, and it, it goes on to say it there in Timothy, they're only going to re- subtly creep in and then lead us astray. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, where I feel like we've just in so many ways gotten lulled to sleep in not realizing, just like Solomon, yeah. not realizing until he was old yeah. that those things were leading him away. And it's interesting, man, to notice, I believe it's Second Timothy chapter 3, that portion of Scripture you just yeah. mentioned, yeah. it says that creep into the houses. You know, right. we can say we're apostolic in a church building yeah, and we can exactly. say we're apostolic, you know, on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. But what is it that goes on in our homes? You know, we're yeah. called, as Moses said, to be a kingdom of priests. You know, and matter of fact, when um, there was two individuals that went into the tabernacle and began to prophesy and Joshua, the Bible says that went to Moses and kind of snitched them out that, hey, Moses, let, you know, have them stop. Yeah. And Moses said, no, no. What, what do you mean? Have them stop. I would that they all prophesy and that the spirit of the Lord may come upon all of them, you know. And so this is available to us at our homes. Right. It's unfortunate to see after COVID hit, bro, and the churches were shut down, you know, or church that was never shut down. But, uh, yeah. you know, the church building our regular. Yeah, programs. yeah, yeah, yeah. Our regular yeah. programs, <laughs> our regular structure, the way we would do church, the, w- the thing we would rely on, the pastor, the preacher that we'd rely on, you know, to live to live a lifestyle for the Lord. It was kind of taken away, you know, and we found ourselves at our homes without really being able to go anywhere and do much. And a lot of those people, when the o- when the church building opened back up, they didn't come back. Right. You know, and that was because their altar and their flow was in a church building and it wasn't in their home. Yeah. There was things, as the Bible says in First Timothy chapter three, there was things that were creeping into their houses into their living rooms, into their rooms, into their mind, into their life, yeah. you know? And it's unfortunate, man. And, you know, I, I, I pray that the fear of the Lord may be stirred upon, upon us, upon you and I, upon, you know, whoever's listening. We're able to wrath or we're willing to wrath at the things that we're not willing to do, yeah. you know? We're willing to wrath and look and observe and see the things that we're not willing to do. Yeah. And we're, you know, now I'm talking about you know, individuals that were next to in Bible college. Right. You know, 
we were, you know, we've known. You know, and it's unfortunate to see this, you know. And as Solomon, he would go, you know, he had the responsibility and task of ministry. Yeah. You know, people go up and play. People go up and play the piano. People go up and sing. People go up and preach, you know. And during that whole time, they're flirting in sin. Right. You know, they're fall they have a life. They're not only just falling in sin, they have a lifestyle of sin, you know. And I'm not saying this, you know, for us to lose trust in the ministry. Right. You know, we have a, you know, we have a trust in the ministry. You know, I trust you. You know, we just had a conversation in a prayer meeting with your, with your dad, and that was amazing. That was awesome. You know, I, I'm, I'm in a great church, you know, and all these kind of things. But this is something that we also need to talk about, that accountability and the things that are happening, you know, and that need for holiness and righteousness. That ministry is not a license to do whatever we want. Just because we've been given the opportunity to minister and preach. I'm thankful for the doors that the Lord has been opening up for me. Now that I've graduated and, you know, I've stayed busy, you know, helping there at the church and, you know, doing whatever is needed. But also being able to travel and minister and, and preach in different, you know, churches that the Lord opens the doors um, in. But that's not no license for me to live a loose life. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's, it's a call to leave it, live even more separated because I'm living separated again for the gospel of God which that's what you spoke about, you yeah. know, yeah. that Friday morning. It's important, man, and yeah. it's essential, and it's imperative for this younger generation to hear. It's, you know, it's interesting. When the Bible speaks in that in 1 Kings chapter 11, it says that Solomon's heart was not perfect like David's was. There's a comparison of generations. Let it not be said of this generation that this generation doesn't have the hunger, the desire, the passion, the love. They complete surrenderance like the ones that came before us, right. you know, like individuals that we can mention, you know, Brother, Brother Barnes, you know, Brother, T Brother, T you know, uh, Brother Billy Cole, you know, different Brother, Brother Kilgore, you know, different individuals that we know, man, man, they give everything. And, you know, amongst other ones that we've heard about, read their books and we've heard about, let it not be said of us. Yes, they build the temple. Yes, they do ministry. But they also love ministering to men. They were willing to float around with the people. Yeah. They were willing to dabble around with certain things. They were willing to tear down the fences and the standards that are held once one place, once put in place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, and I, I, I think something that's worth mentioning too for those listening, like, because it's easy to, it's easy to kind of get like a, in a way, sometimes like a self righteousness, you know, of like, like I'm doing this, um, or I'm separated and to this extent, but look at them, like they're not. Um, but, you know, you just mentioned that, that comparison of generations um, of David and Solomon. And, of course, David has got to be one of the most just like, hi his life has to be one of the most on display <laughs> lives of sin. Yeah, and transparency yeah, yeah. in Scripture. And, of course, we know like one where it kind of starts and one of the greatest sins is him letting his eyes wander to a place that they shouldn't have right um and and not only that but being being in a place of of contentment in his house yeah and staying in his house and that's that's kind of another element that um if we really are ministry minded we we can we can fall into this trap of of waiting for ministry to find us yeah. or waiting for that that call to ministry but 
like David, he was he was anointed as king and he was called as 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 the king to to be in battle. Yeah. But during that time of of battle, he'd he'd gotten content with the amount of battle he'd won. And at the time when King should have been out at battle, he was at home. Yeah. And so he was he was comfortable. He was comfortable, yeah, and he was so comfortable that obviously it led down that path of sin. Um but something that else that I like I want to highlight there is that you talked about Sunday as well a little bit is you know when he when he sins with Bathsheba and then and then has her husband killed yeah. um, and then of course the prophet Nathan comes yeah. comes into his house and tells him that story of of the sheep and 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 them being killed and taken and um, and of course you know then then saying like then Nathan saying you are that yeah, man. Yeah. And there was um, there was a little bit of righteousness stirred up in, in David. Yeah, yeah. Where he says, "Well, let him pay four times and, yeah, and die." Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's what's so interesting is like, yeah. And I think I think that was kind of the intention of of his story of, yeah, of yeah. the prophet's story of like, you know, I'm not gonna just tell him straight up. I'm gonna get this stirred up and built up in him. And then, like as you talked about Sunday, the difference in in that life and and the response, like where. Where with this type of preaching that we're talking about, that's that can feel hard and it's sometimes sharp and and it's convicting and and as the word of God is, it's sharp, it's it cuts yeah. and and it's convicting. Really, what it comes down to though is is how we are going to receive it and how we're going to respond. Yeah, definitely. Like David, and so yeah. Well, I mean, we that. see we see King Saul, right? That he was willing to kill when he felt threatened. That's right. You know, and then we see David. That this prophet comes to him. You know, and pretty much knows everything that's going on. Yeah. And we see, we read that story, and many times the focus is David. You know, many times that focus is, is King David. Because, you know, David was the king, and David was a psalm writer. And, but the Lord God's dealing with me and highlighting the prophet Nathan. Could it be that Nathan um, begin to think, well, the last king, he was willing to kill when he felt threatened. Yeah. Well, he was willing to do such and such things when he felt right. uncomfortable. You know, he was willing to pull out his sword, you know. But he said, nevertheless, nonetheless, I need to go tell David, thou art the man. Yeah. Thou art the man. And the response of David was beautiful. Yeah. We find one of the most beautiful psalms in scripture that we find, you know, comfort and we find forgiveness of sins in, you know, after after that encounter. But that prophet was willing to, you know, stand in the presence of David and say, thou art the man. Right. And it could it could be, you know, this is kind of reading in between the lines here, but it could be that David was kind of maybe just waiting for that, waiting for somebody to, hey, I need some strength here. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure he must have felt something. I mean, he was, he was you know, from his childhood, he had a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And now he was hiding his sin, and he was confronted by a prophet. And many times we can see this or categorize this as judgment, but this was an opportunity for mercy. Yeah. And that's what, you know, many times this righteousness and holiness preaching, and what we many times we can consider quote-unquote hard preaching, and we don't do it with that intent, and I don't think anybody does it with that intent mm. to offend anybody or, you know, oh, we're going to preach hard for the, you know, for the sake of preaching hard, you know, or, you know, preaching something super radical for you know just the sake of preaching something super radical we don't you know 
it's an opportunity for mercy. And of course, there's consequences for sin. You know, I think we both, you know, we, we, we all know that there's consequences for sins. But when it's exposed and when light is able to shine upon it, you know, instead of us looking at it as judgment, it's an opportunity for, to receive mercy. Yeah. It's an opportunity to receive the mercy of God. It is God letting us know, I'm, you know, I want to forgive you. I want to extend my love. I want to extend my mercy. I spoke about this. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was in the conference or Sunday, but one of the most beautiful, um, beautiful stories that I have being able to minister. Um, they invited me for, they invited me to speak at a camp one time in in L.A., and so I went, and we had a powerful move of the Holy Ghost the first night. Just powerful move of the Holy Ghost. There were several people that got the Holy Ghost, and the next day I didn't know what I was going to preach. Which you know that's a, that's another thing you know like allowing the Lord to speak to you and instead of you know and I believe in studying and I believe in preparing I believe in doing all that you know if you, you like looking at commentaries and you know looking at the Hebrew and the Greek you know I believe all that's good yeah. you know but never taking away the voice of the Lord and the leading of the Lord and so I you know the Lord had not yet spoken to me about what I was going to speak on that next day um, until the next day the Lord began to deal with me about certain things and it was about um, this generation exposing themselves to certain things through their eyes and ears and just different things. And there came to a portion of that um, that service where I was ministering, and the Lord got to talk got to talking to me about jewelry and you know me having to deal with it. And so, as a young minister, you know, you might feel like, man, you know, well, that's not really my my place. That's not really, you know, you know, I I, I don't know if I have the authority or the licensing or you know any any of that to be able to speak that but i really felt that anointing upon upon my uh, upon my lips to speak that and so as i was speaking to it i you know I, I i did it the most loving way that i could and i wanted the lord it was the lord speaking and i remember i was behind the pulpit and i i'm not i had not done yet done an altar call nothing and a lady gets up a young woman gets up and she's crying she's bawling and she starts walking to the altar you know it was one of those like shotgun you know buildings and so mm. she's walking right in front of the pulpit and she's not stopping i was like man what's what, you know what's up with this girl you know like everybody else is sitting down and yeah i'm still you know i'm still trying to minister and she comes and she stands right in front of that pulpit takes off the earrings that she had laid them upon that pulpit you know releasing it and she falls on her knees and starts praying and everything so you know and that was so beautiful to me to be able to see that she was willing to surrender and she didn't see it as judgment she saw it as an opportunity for mercy and i don't know if she already had the holy ghost i i, don't, I really don't know mm-hmm. um i know though that she had a powerful encounter with the lord she had a powerful moment with god that it wasn't just a touch it was a fulfilling of the holy ghost inside of her and she she was there on her knees crying for for quite some time and that I know of, she never went. She never went back to those earrings. Right. You know, right. she was completely changed and transformed. Yeah. You know, by the power of the word of God, by the power of the preached word of God. You know, yeah. somebody that was, and it's not all you know me or whatever, but it's an individual that was willing to speak what thus saith the Lord in that very moment, in that very time, and her life was forever changed and transformed. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I've gone back to minister in that church, and she's still there, and she still lives to God. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I because I, I feel like we put, we always kind of talk more about you know, 
the, the like offenses that happen in the church and the risk of people being offended and um, but I think if we have all these things in, in line and in order like we've already talked about like with humility um, and hearing the voice of God like if we're doing if we never you know seek to to preach this way just to preach this way like and and sound like we got like an authority you know yeah. or, or like whatever because um, I think that's where people get in trouble is they they try to you know sound like all that and and preach hard um but they don't have convictions themselves <laughs> or they don't have or they're not under authority yeah or they want to exercise authority without being under authority. exactly yeah and 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 two like the fruit of the spirit you know like they want the gift without the fruit yeah. um and and of course you know the bible talks about it like if you're going to operate in in the gifts what are they but without love yeah. and, and flowing through that channel of love and so I think, like, in a response like that, like, no, I think it goes without saying, and it's safe to say, like, in that moment of her feeling mercy, she was also feeling the love of God yeah. that I'm sure also came through, like, through the mouth of, of the minister, you yeah. know, the mouthpiece that God used. Yeah, she felt that, that holiness of God yeah, and that yeah. love drawing her to yeah. that place of holiness and separation. Yeah. You know, it's the love of God. Like I said, if we're going to speak about holiness— we can't leave the love of God out. Yeah. And if we're going to speak about the love of God, we can't leave out the holiness of God. Right. It's both, you know. It's, it's, it's the holiness of God and the love of God. Yeah. She felt that holiness of God and that call to separation. And it was the love of God that enabled her to do it. Right. You know, because she fe- it was something different. You know, it, wasn't an, it was not necessarily the minister, the preacher, you know. But yeah. it was the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God and the holiness of God moving and the love of God moving, and that's what caused her to, you know, be be forever changed and transformed. Right, that's good. Um, well, so we, like I said, we kind of touched on some of these, but we have some some questions here as well. So I don't know how how much uh, of these we want to try to get into yeah. or <laughs> or touch on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've been pretty trying to see the the time here. Been pretty good um, so far, and um, some of the more serious questions we've already <laughs> touched on, and we might leave out the uh, non-serious ones for yeah. for your sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Brother Tristan Grogan said something about you know my hair, <laughs> you know how things in place or something. Yep, which I hope he listens to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he better he better now. There's so. something called suavecito, bro. Suavecito. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a good friend of ours from Bible College, Jake. Yeah, good shout out. We'll give give him a shout out. We got one from uh, this guy too, who with El Patron Leather. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, we, we gotta check w- w- check him out. <laughs> yeah, we gotta check him out. We'll give him a shout out, but we won't uh, we won't air his question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a couple other ones, but most of them were kind of goofy. One of them, um, maybe that we can kind of end on. Um, that I think, you know, I think in a way we've touched on this, and I know what they're asking in, in more of a um, in more of a uh, technical sense when it comes to like preaching and preparing for it, and when it's like with notes and and um, just being prepared in the best way you can to to deliver, you know, what you've received from the Lord. Um, but I think, I mean. I, I think it's something that's not talked about enough, the preparing of the vessel. Yeah. And 
And it's as you're spending that time with the Lord and as he's planting things in you, it goes beyond what's in your head and it gets into your heart yeah. and in your spirit. And and that's really then where the flow activates. Like you might only have a starting point of scripture, but because he's planted things in you through the fellowship that goes up and out. Um, but their question, um, and this is from a good friend of mine from Arkansas, Brother Brother Hank, uh, and he he just kind of asked about sermon prep uh, and how, like I said, maybe in a more technical sense, how do you how do you write notes? Um, and he, he said manuscript or uh, bullets. Yeah. Um, so kind of along yeah. those lines, you know, <laughs> I know we both uh, unique ways of kind of ministering, but I guess just sort of in finishing up, what are your thoughts on yeah. on that? So, you know, it's very you know I- interesting with me. This is just the Lord, how the Lord deals with me. Uh, like we've mentioned prayer already and, and studying the Word, but I remember, I think it was my sophomore year of Bible college, one of the professors there told me, "Hey, Brett, never study to preach. Study to know God. Study to know Him." And so now every time I open up my Bible, it's not to find this thought or to find some kind of inspiration or, or stuff like that. It's genuinely to know the Lord. And in those times, the Lord will highlight certain scripture. The Lord, the Lord will highlight certain, you know, principles and things. And so many times I'll kind of just, you know, I'll, I'll write a note in, on my phone, you know, uh, or kind of like a title, you yeah. know. Or many times I'll have a title in just scriptures, not much, you know, bullet points or ideas of my own. There's some things that I have written down that's like, you know, kind of like the Lord speaking. So word for word as if the Lord was speaking. Yeah. And so, but most of the time, I do go behind that pulpit with no notes. Yeah. And that's not because I didn't study. And that's right. not because I didn't prepare. Right. You know, but it's because, you know, that's the way that the Lord deals with me. Many times, you know. It's 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 interesting, kind of funny, you know. And I know this is how it is for different ministers as well. So many, maybe some of you will relate to this. But usually, when they invite you to a service, you know, a, you know, a camp or a conference or whatever it is, they'll ask you for your title <laughs> yeah. and your verses, yeah. or if you have anything, right? And many times it's kind of weird. To, well, no, not yet, you know. <laughs> And I assure you, like, you know, and many th- these ministers, they're praying. Oh, yeah. They're fasting. Yeah. I know some of the, you know, some of the most spiritual individuals that I know, many times this happens to them, mm-hmm. you know. And it's not like, you know, I don't think it should be like, okay, that's a that's a guy that's a, you know, that's a no-notes preacher or yeah. that's a bullet point, point preacher or that's yeah. a manuscript preacher. I think it's that allowing the Holy Ghost, if the, l- the Lord wants me to speak with bullet points, and gives me bullet points, then I'll do the bullet points. Mm-hmm. If he wants me to do a manuscript, then I'll do a manuscript. Yeah. If he wants me with no notes, then no notes it is. Right. You know. Right. At the same time, you know, you. S- I always, t- you know, tend to do this prayer, you know, before I minister, or you know, the prayer that we do, you know, when after you read your text or whatever. Right. I don't want to <laughs> speak more than what the Lord gave me, and I don't want to speak less. Mm-hmm. I just want to speak whatever the Lord gave. I just want to be that conduit, that vessel, that when the Lord speaks, it's released into the people, it's released into the congregation. That's that's my desire. That's what I, you know, that's what I want. 
And many times the Lord will speak to me a month before the camp or a conference or the service. Sometimes he'll speak to me a week before it. Sometimes he'll speak to me the day before. And sometimes he won't speak to me till the morning of. Right. You know, it's very, you know, very interesting. That actually happened not too long ago. I was in, I was in Modesto with, you know, good friends of mine. And it was two services. It was a Spanish service and an English service. And the Spanish service, man, they have it going. They're having they're having revival, you know, have have a good core group of young people. They're having a good time, you know, in the Lord. And things are happening. Things are going. People are getting the Holy Ghost. It's amazing what's going on there um, in that church. But the first service was um, the English service. And that's a little, it's going a little slower, you know. It's it's predominantly a Spanish church, but they started this English work. And so I remember that the Lord had given me the word for that Spanish service. I knew what I was going to see probably a week before. Like I knew I had no doubt in my mind, but the Lord spoke to me, you know, at the same time that he spoke to me about what I was going to speak in that Spanish service that started at 12 p.m. He spoke to me. I will not speak to you about the English service until the morning of. And I felt, man, you know, and I started getting a little, you know, a little nervous the night before. I'm like, Lord, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm waiting. And the Lord woke me up. I didn't need an alarm. The, you know, service was at 10, 10 a.m. Lord woke me up at 5 a.m. And I was trying to go, you know, a little bit, you know, back to bed, <laughs> you know. And the Lord woke, you know, he kept, you know, tugging on my heart. And so I went and uh, I, I grabbed the donut and went to Starbucks, you know, and <laughs> opened up my Bible. And sure enough was that flow of the Holy Ghost for that service. And he took me to the portions of scripture and he began to speak to me and he began, you know, to deal with me. And, you know, it was just such a flow of revelation. And so that's the way that the Lord dealt with me for that service. For the other service, you know, the Lord had already spoken to me. The Lord had already dealt with me. So I knew what the Lord had. But for this service, why? I don't know. Maybe it just, I needed, you know, to trust in him and have faith in that the Lord was going to come through, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard stories of Brother Verbal Bean where he would go up and minutes would pass by and right. he wouldn't say nothing right. until that flow of the Holy Ghost would come in and the word of the Lord was uttered, you know, through the voice of Brother Verbal Bean, you know. I wonder, you know, what's what's happened to that? You know, yeah, what's, you know, real. What's, what's, what's happened to that? Like I said, that's not for, ev- you know, every single time it's, if you ha- if the Lord gives you a manuscript, you know, by all means, go and use it. That's the tool that the Lord gave you. Yeah. If he gives you bullet points, use it. That's what the Lord gave you. But if the Lord, you know it's the will of God for you to be there. You know it's the right time. The Lord is going to fill your mouth. It, it either might be a week before, a day before, or the morning of. It's even happened to me. You know, we've, you know the tours, the COC tours that we have, I, was, I had the privilege to be able to go my freshman year. And... Uh, I remember I was a Wednesday night service and I was in Arkansas and I think the tour leader had told me that very day that I was speaking and I didn't know what I was speaking, bro. I didn't know what I was going to speak. And so I had no idea on the Lord two, three minutes before I go up, you know, and I, like I'm saying, you know, we're, we're, we're preparing, we're praying, we're, we're reading our word and we're staying in the word. I go up behind that pulpit, you know, but two, three minutes before the Lord spoke to me on Psalms chapter 3, and I spoke on Psalms chapter 3, and that day, I, I think it was like the pastor, his wife, his their daughter, and like two other people, so in total, on a Wednesday night, it was like not nine of us, and it was four of us on tour, 
And that day, there was an 80-year-old man, mm. a veteran, that had like, you know, he couldn't really hear much or anything. That day, he received the Holy Ghost for the very first time. Wow. You know, I could have decided, I need, I need to put something together. I, you know, I, I need to, I, you know, in the flesh, I need, to, I need to look at something. I need to search something up, you know, you know, probably tell my buddy, hey, man, you got anything, you got, you know, you got any inspiration to share, you know, what's the Lord been dealing with you about? But I said, you know, Lord, I want you to speak to me. And the Lord confirmed his word. Yeah. You know, the Lord confirmed his word that night. Out of five people in that congregation, there was one that needed the Holy Ghost. And that one person got the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that leading of the Spirit of God. You know, so like I said, although the Lord does use me a little bit more with, you know, no notes. Sometimes he'll give me something, you know, but I, it's, it's all about following the leading of the Holy Ghost and the voice of the Lord in our lives. You know, you, you, you could probably, you know, share something about that, too. You know, speaking and ministering, you know, I know you're definitely a little bit more organized and, you know, have that gift of administration <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. For you guys that don't know, Brother Joel here, he was our student body president in, in Bible college for two years. And so he did an amazing job, you know, incredible job in, a, in every area, I believe. You know, and it was cool being able to be close to him that sophomore year, um, which it was interesting. We were supposed to go to tour together <laughs> that year, but the Lord had other plans. But um, yeah. so I don't know. You could probably share something, you know, about ministering and preaching. Sure. And stuff like that. No, I think that's good, though. Um, I don't know. Keep my... I'll keep my thoughts limited. I think that really um, speaks well to it. Um, I'll just share one, like, statement my bishop has said to me in different ways multiple times recently, but even this weekend he sent me a text before the service. um, And in three short words, it it was such an encouragement to me because I knew from where it was coming. Um, And in three short words in the text message, he just said, little is more and and for me in my because I have went more towards uh, notes to an ex- to an extent um, to just help keep myself on track and, and, and organized um, but what I began to do is because uh, sometimes I'll work on those notes uh, in study uh, not in like crafting but in study yeah. I think it's important to draw that distinction I'll work on those notes sometimes for a couple weeks at a time and even preach from them in multiple services before, like that happened with this event. I preached kind of this similar thing a couple times leading up to this event. Um, But all that to say, once it got time, that morning I went, same kind of deal to Starbucks, and had my notes, um, which was like 95% scriptures. But then what I did is with that other 5%, except for maybe two lines. I think there was two lines I left yeah. of words that weren't scripture. I went in and cut all of the rest of kind of, I guess you could say my commentary or my thoughts. I cut it and moved it to the very bottom because um, I've just decided little is more. Yeah. And not only is little more, but what more specifically what he wants to say is more. Yeah. And and that again is something my bishop has talked to me about, and my dad as well. Like, the Holy Ghost can do more in five minutes in a message, in a Holy Ghost inspired and the flow of the Holy Ghost message, than any skilled preacher can yeah. in 30, 40 minutes or an hour. Yeah. You know, it's way more. Yeah. And, and so that's the place that I want to 
he can be aligned with in the now. Yeah, uh, for sure. To happen. Yeah. So. And you know, we come. You know, went to four years Bible college, so we took the homiletic tour and the homiletic yeah. tour, the homiletic yeah. tour. Yeah. And I'm thankful for what I learned. I yeah. really am. You know, but also understanding a lot of these things are not absolutes. Yeah. Right. You know, there's a flow. Right. There's a flow of the Holy Ghost, and I believe in preparation. You know, I believe in study. I believe I, I, I do it, you know. There's some things that I know there's messages that the Lord will give me that the Lord gave me three, four years ago. Yeah. And I have not been able to, you know, speak on, yeah. you know, I've not been able to preach on anywhere, you know. And it's all at the in due time, you right. know, whenever the Lord wants, right. you know. Um, and so it's one of those things. We're probably gone, gone for a while now, but I really feel to share this really quick. Um you know, to encourage somebody, you know, some, you know, young individual that is called to the ministry, an individual that, you know, is already in ministry, and anybody really that's hearing this, um, one of the things that the Lord was really dealing with me about was the anointing that flowed through Elijah, and it flowed through Elisha, and then it flowed through, um, through the young prophet that went to anoint Jehu, mm. and from Jehu it went to the eunuch, to the death of Jezebel. Well, we see that there was an anointing upon Elijah, the prophet Elijah, that caused them to utter the words of how Jezebel would die. Well, Elijah did not see the fulfillment of this prophetic word. Yeah. He uttered the words, and the anointing was upon him to declare and foresee what would happen. But that's, I believe that same anointing flowed from Elijah to Elisha to the young prophet to Jehu and even to the eunuchs. And I believe we're living in a time where there was words that were spoken and uttered 50 years ago and 60 years ago. Some might even be 100 years ago. And we're living in a time of not only a prophetic generation, but a generation of prophetic fulfillment. Where the anointing that flowed through Brother Barnes and Brother Billy Cole and Brother Virgo Bean that caused them to utter certain things. I mean, I've heard of Brother Billy Cole. He talks about, you know, seeing 3,001 setting filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And he got to see it. What I believe, you know, I believe, you know, it wasn't just for the time of Brother Billy Cole. You know, it's for our time. I have this great desire, and I believe we're going to see it in our lifetime. It used to be called the Staples Center. Now I think it's the Crypto.com Marine or something <laughs> like that in L.A. Yeah. I believe we can get that place under the leading of the Holy Ghost, filled up with hungry people. And I, I, I really don't know how many, you know, how many people fit in there, but I believe that it can be filled up with hungry people that are in, in need and desiring the Holy Ghost, and they'll receive a baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've many times mentioned this in different events that the Lord has given me the opportunity to minister. It could very well be that the Lord was smiling at the construction of many of these arenas and stadiums, not because of the entertainment that was going to be shown in these places, but because he knew one day my people is gonna is gonna use this place and there will be a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost because our buildings are not big enough to hold all the people that are getting ready to reap in this great harvest. Right. And this is the generation of prophetic fulfillment. Not only are we gonna utter the words, but we're gonna see the fulfillment of the words, of the words 50, 60, 100 years ago. We're gonna see it happen in our generation. And so just staying faithful is key. Staying humble, staying in relationship with the Lord is the most important thing in our lives. Staying in relationship. The Garden of Eden was a birthplace of flow. Out of that place, it would flow that river. 
the Garden of Eden re- symbolizes relationship. Yeah. If we are only willing to just flow in relationship with him, you know, I love it when I hear you or your brother, you know, or even your dad randomly say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Because there's that constant relationship with him. It's not, and I believe in a place of prayer. We have a place of prayer. We have a time of prayer. But Jesus Christ doesn't stay in that time of prayer or in that place of prayer. He's constantly with us. He's constantly in us. You know, when we go, you know, he's there. So anywhere that we are, in the car, in our workplace, you know, in our home, in our living room, wherever it is, the Lord is there with us. And we, ha- we can have an interaction with him. It can be in the most random places and the Lord speak to you about some deep thing in the Holy Ghost, about the kingdom of God. And why is that? Because there's an openness. There's a God awareness. You know, you're, you know as, as uh, the word of God says, pray without ceasing. It's not that you're in a sanctuary 24-7. It's that there's a God awareness. And there's a, that channel of communication is open all day, all night, even in dreams. You know, that line of communication is open 24-7, all day, all night. And the Lord speaks. And the Lord is always speaking. So I, enc- I encourage every single young person, you know, I've been encouraged by this. You know, there's an anointing that is flowing, you know. And if we're willing to be submitted, we're willing to be submitted to the Lord and to our leadership, to apostolic leadership in our lives. That's another thing. The king recognized Elijah as a man that would pour water in the hands of the prophet. They didn't even, you know, they didn't even, oh, this is the next prophet. No. Bring Elijah, the one that would pour water in the hands of the prophet. So as younger ministers, anytime we're there to serve, we're there to minister to the body. We're there to help. We're there to minister, get our hands dirty, you know, and stuff like that. And so that's very important, you know, being faithful, serving the Lord with all our hearts, you know, and keeping that channel of communication and relationship open day in and day out.